Welcome to the Walk in Truth weekend program. These are the teachings of Pastor Michael Lentz, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Before we get started with today's program, you can learn more about us, our free events, how to donate, the podcast, and much more when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael in the conclusion of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about how the crucifixion of Jesus is an example of God's wisdom. What's the point? Precisely this. It's not your power. It's not your planning. It's not your persuasive words. It is the Lord and the Lord's power that will accomplish His work in His, in his wisdom. And what man is asked to do is to trust God. Believe. And that may be one of our biggest challenges. Especially in the pressures of the culture. Especially when we're facing a professor mocking our Christianity. Especially when we're out on the street and we try to share the gospel and someone laughs in our face and we think, oh, here we go. Martin Lloyd-Jones has commented, he says, the whole drift towards modernism that has blighted the church and nearly destroyed its living gospel may be traced to an hour when men began to turn from revelation to philosophy. One writer says, because of his own philosophy, uh, it did not allow for the miraculous. The very influential German theologian Rudolf Boltmann, for example, decided to demythologize the Bible, to identify the supposed myths to, and to consider only what remained to be God's word. That is, he decided in advance what God's word could and could not be. He relied on his own wisdom to determine God's wisdom. In doing so, he tried to make God in his own human image. When man tries on his own to determine what God is like, what his will is, and what he can and cannot do, the creature merely creates an imaginary God, an idol in his own image, and to his own egotistic satisfaction. When human philosophy is in any way imposed upon God's revelation, revelation loses. You see that happening today? I'm spiritual, but my God does this and this. My God would never do that. Well, your God is a figment of your own imagination, my friend. You can make up a God or a goddess or whatever you want to call it and make it into your image or make it palatable to your mind to fit with the philosophical views of the day. But in the end, I ask you, Will that God save you? You know, when Israel was embracing and imbibing the gods of the nations, God warned them. He said, look, I don't want you going after their gods. I don't want you to embrace their ways. They, they do this and they do that. And, it, and God says, it's detestable. It's abominable to me. But what did Israel do? Yeah, Israel's like, yeah, 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 we'll follow God. Sure, sure, good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then what did they do? Even Solomon, to appease his hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of wives, <laughs> went up to the high places and made uh, abominable images to false gods. And God was displeased with Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, save Jesus himself, which shows you, it goes to show you, that anybody, no matter how wise they may be, how uh, grounded in Scripture they may be, can be captivated by worldly wisdom. John MacArthur says, the reason men love 
complex, elaborate philosophies and religion, religions is because it appeals to human ego. They offer the challenge of understanding and doing something complex and difficult. For the same reason, some men scoff at the gospel. It calls on them to do nothing. It allows them to do nothing but accept in simple faith what God has done. The cross crushes man's sin and crushes man's pride. It also offers deliverance from sin and deliverance from pride. And so the question becomes, what are we going to do with it? Skip ahead for a second to 1 Corinthians 3. Look at verse 18. 1 Corinthians 3.18 says, Let no man, 1 Corinthians 3.18, deceive himself. If any man among you thinks he is wise in this age, let him become foolish that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness before God. For it is written, here's another of those citations, He is the one who catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the reasonings of the wise that they are useless. So then, let no one boast in men, for all things belong to you. Or as Romans 12, 16 puts it, don't be wise in your own estimation. <laughs> Man, I've become wise, you tell your friends. Woo! You won't believe these classes. I, I, I read a book. I read a book. You, oh, you read a book? You, you haven't been known to do that kind of thing. Yeah, I read a book. I'm, I'm an expert now, right? Where is the wise man? 1 Corinthians 1.20. Do you, do, you do you ever watch a news program for about 20 minutes and then cry out these words? <laughs> Where is the wise person? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of this age? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? Three categories, four questions. You have the wise men, the scribe, the debater, all perceived as experts. Paul hammers home the point with four rhetorical questions. Where's the wise man? Where's the scribe? Where's the debater? Has God not made foolish the wisdom of the world? In the year 1870, the Methodists in Indiana were having an annual conference. At one point, the president of the college where they were meeting said, I think we live in a very exciting age. The presiding bishop said, well, what do you see? The college president responded, I believe we're coming into a time of great inventions. I believe, for example, that men will fly through the air like birds. The bishop said, this is heresy. The Bible says that flight is reserved for the angels. We will not have such talk here. After the conference, the bishop, whose name was Wright, <laughs> went home to his two small sons, Wilbur and Oroville. They also made popcorn later. And, and you know what they did with their father's vision. The Wright brothers. You see, sometimes what we mock is more real than we think. So the question, where are all the people with the answers? Where's the smart people? Has not God shown the wisdom of this world to be actually foolish? How much more time and evidence do we really need? Do we need another 20 years to figure it out? Another 30? Do we need another 100, another century to go by to figure out that man's wisdom isn't working? We better get back to God. What we need is a revival. Who were the wise men in the long ago? Not Herod, fearful lest he lose his throne. Not Pharisees, too proud to claim their own. Not priests and scribes who province, whose province was to know. 
not money changers running to and fro, but three, and probably not three, who traveled wary and alone with with doubtless faith because before them shone the star that led them to manger low. Who are the wise men now when all is told? Not men of science, not the great and strong, not those who wear a kingly diadem, not those whose eager hands pile high the gold, but those amid the tumult and the throng who follow still the star of Bethlehem. You see, this is where wisdom is found. Hobart Maurer, one-time professor at Harvard and Yale, one-time president of the American Psychological Association, sadly committed suicide several years ago, apparently as a non-Christian. He said the following, For several decades, we psychologists have looked upon the whole matter of sin and moral accountability as a great incubus. And we've acclaimed our liberation from sin as epic-making. But at length, we've discovered to be free in this sense, that is to be sick rather than to be sinful, is to court the danger of also becoming lost and becoming amoral, ethically neutral and free. We have cut the very roots of our being, lost our sense of selfhood and identity, and with the neurotics now find ourselves asking, who am I? What is my deepest destiny? What does living really mean? Isn't that the most fundamental question of all? What does living really mean? Do I have a purpose? Am I heading anywhere? Is there a savior? Is there a creator? Is there a destiny? Is there a hope? Well, since in the wisdom of God, 21, the world through its wisdom did not come to know God, God was well pleased through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Scholars call Paul's approach in verse 21 a polemical approach to counter the common cultural views. The wisdom of God could move from general revelation to special revelation because the final revelation of God is Jesus Christ. But he's also given general revelation. The heavens declare... The glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they preach a message. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where their voice is not heard. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says, God's invisible attributes, his eternal nature, are clearly seen by what has been made so that man is without excuse. But professing to be wise... They became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made in the form of corruptible man or four-footed beast, etc. And then the declining scale in Romans 1 of what idolatry produces in a society is right there. So Paul says, look, it's the cross. Jesus came into the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood nor the will of the flesh nor of the will of man but of God. And the word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. 
The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Here's something you can write down. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. You've been listening to the Walk in Truth weekend program. You can now listen to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance wherever you go and whenever you want. That's because Walk in Truth can now be heard on your favorite podcast app. Apps like iPodcast, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Google Play, and much more. Simply open up your favorite podcast app and search Walk in Truth. Make sure you subscribe so you'll know when a new show is available. Thanks for listening and partnering with Walk in Truth. Now back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walk in Truth. In Romans chapter 1, Paul says, God's invisible attributes, His eternal nature, are clearly seen by what has been made so that man is without excuse. But professing to be wise, they became fools. And they exchanged the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made in the form of corruptible man or four-footed beast, etc. And then the declining scale in Romans 1 of what idolatry produces in a society is right there. So Paul says, look, it's the cross. Jesus came into the world and the world was made through him and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. To those who believe in his name, who are born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Here's something you can write down. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. And that goes all the way from salvation to your family, to your values, to your moral life, everything. Wisdom is seeing things from God's perspective. And it starts with salvation. For Jews asked for signs, right? They wanted to see a sign. Show us a sign and we'll believe in you. How many signs did Jesus do on the planet? How many people did he heal? He raised people from the dead and they wouldn't believe. Do you need just one, just one more sign? And Jesus said, a wicked and adulterous generation asked for a sign, but no sign will be given to it except the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the sea monster three days and three nights, so the Son of Man will be in the heart of the earth three days and three nights. And the Son of Man is coming out of the tomb just as Jonah came out of the fish. Yes, it's true. You want a sign? Here's what it is. Destroy my body on that cross and in three days I will raise it up again. You want evidence? You want wisdom? That's from Jesus. The Jews ask for signs. They want evidence. The Greeks search for wisdom. They want to hear the latest philosophy. The second century philosopher Celsus 
made a career out of attacking Christianity. He wrote, God is good and beautiful and happy. And if in that which is most beautiful and best, if then he descends to man, it involves change for him and change from good to bad, from beautiful to ugly, from happiness to unhappiness, from what is best to what is worse. God would never accept such a change. Ah, but I beg to differ. Because Jesus said, before Abraham was, I am. And the Jews took up stones to stone him for blasphemy. They knew what he was saying before Abraham ever existed. What do you mean? You're not even 50. And you have seen Abraham? Oh, yeah. Not only that. Before Abraham sprang into existence, I am the eternal God. (gasps) Oh, yes, it's true. The philosophers can say what they want, but Jesus Christ said who he is. And so Paul says, we preach Christ crucified to Jews, a stumbling block. They trip over this. It's a scandal, literally. To Gentiles, it's foolishness. We preach Christ crucified. I was in the gym one day, and uh, there was a man sitting there. We are in the locker room, and he looked like he was down. And so I said, hey, what's going on? He said, I'm going through a divorce. It's something that I, I didn't want, but I'm going through it. And he said, I'm really down. And I said, well, you know, I deal with a lot of marriages. I'm a pastor. And he went, oh, you're a pastor. Let me tell you who I am. I'm a PhD psychiatrist. I write articles against the church. I'm a confirmed atheist. Confirmed? Do you have to go through a ceremony to? (laughs) So I said, I've never met a confirmed atheist. I said, well, let me ask you a question. Where do you think all this came from? Where, Where do you think the design of your hands and your body and the meticulous design of the cosmos. Where did that come from? And he said, that's a hard one. That is a hard one. He said, that, there sure seems to be a designer behind all of this. I said, what do you write articles against? He said, I'm writing them against the Catholic Church because of you know, the abuse that happened in the past and, and so forth. I won't get into that right now. But, but I said, you know what? I said, I understand why you're angry, but you're not mad at God. You're mad at the church. And he bowed his head in the middle of this locker room and said, you're right. I'm mad at the church. And I went on to say, you know what? There is a God and he cares about you. And that's why I'm standing here right now. Now get this. At that moment, another pastor had been hanging around. I had no idea it was a pastor. He was coming from this side. I came from this side. A third pastor. No, just kidding. Second... And I said, and this guy started chiming in, I said, hey, confirmed atheist, God's got you surrounded. And he went, oh my goodness, what's happening to me? Here's what was happening. God loves him. And he wanted him to know that the wisdom of the cross is not nullified just because Christians blow it. And we do. See, we preach Christ crucified. It stumbles some. You could say, to some the message trips up, to others it trips them out. (laughs) But to those who are called, both Jews and Greeks, Jews and Gentiles, the entire world, Christ is the power of God 
and the wisdom of God. Have you heard him calling? Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast of his might. Let not the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord who exercises loving kindness, justice, righteousness on the earth. I delight in these things, declares the Lord. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Because the foolishness of God, 25, final verse, is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. Some of you look at this and go, what? The foolishness of God? What? The weakness of God? Here's what Paul's doing. Paul's basically speaking on their behalf. What you see as foolishness, what you see as weakness, is actually stronger than you. What unbelievers consider foolish and weakness, foolishness and weakness, which is the message of the cross in context, is actually stronger than men and their man-made belief structures and systems. Here's why. This is God's saving way. Thus, though they see it as foolish and weak, it is stronger than anything that they can come up with. Were you there when they crucified my Lord? You know, sometimes it causes me to tremble. Were you there when they nailed him to the tree? You know, sometimes it causes me to tremble. Were you there when they pierced him in his side? Sometimes it causes me to tremble. Were you there when they laid him in the tomb? Oh, sometimes it causes me to tremble. Were you there when he rose from the grave? Sometimes it causes me to tremble. You're listening to Walk in Truth with Pastor Michael Lance, and that was the conclusion of his teaching in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about how the crucifixion of Jesus is an example of God's wisdom. You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Remember, we would like to help equip the body of Christ. Studying the Bible brings up a lot of questions. Friends and family do too when they find out you're a Christian. Whatever the question is, send it our way so Pastor Michael can address it on air. Chances are you're not the only one that has that same question. Remember, we have the apologetic school here at truthacademy.com. So if Pastor Michael doesn't have the answer, he'll just drag one of the professors into the studio to answer it. So email it to us at the address answers at walkintruth.com. That's answers at walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, if you're a person like me, uh, I'm constantly have my nose in a book, as it were, And if you ever saw my library, uh, you would see books, 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 and more books. I'm a person who enjoys books. I spend a lot of my life in the ministry reading and studying. But you know, of all the books that you could read, you could have a lot of information, but you may not have true wisdom. What is wisdom? Well, interestingly enough, in, in 1 Corinthians 1, Christ is the wisdom of God and the power of God. You see, all ultimate learning, and we're talking about ultimate issues here, not peripheral stuff or learning how to build a model airplane or knowing stuff about medicine or science. But ultimately, the big questions of life is where you have to land at Christ. Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Let me ask you, with all that you've been learning in your life, let's just say that you're a student in high school or college right now, or you are a person who does a lot of study. Let me ask you, have you been studying the Bible 
And do you realize that Christ is the end of righteousness? He is for all those who believe. He is the wisdom of God and the power of God. He is where God ultimately wants you to land. He wants you to know this power and this wisdom that are found in Christ. And so my encouragement to you is as you study with us, 1 Corinthians, you know, the whole end of life is to know him, man. It's to know him. And this is what the Christian life is all about. This is what life is all about. You see, the God who made you wants you to know him, and he knows you. And what's amazing is he loves you. And this wisdom of God, this power of God, came down to rescue us. He is so good. Make sure you know Jesus. And if you haven't met Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today is your day, man. Just say, Lord, I want to know Jesus. Jesus, save me. Come into my life. Be my Lord, my Savior, my God, and my King. Thank you for dying on that cross for me. Thank you for rising from the dead. I put my trust and my hope in you and you alone for my salvation. I turn from my sin and I place my trust in you, not in man's wisdom, but in God's wisdom. Teach me your ways, O Lord. That's a great prayer. And if you prayed that today, would you reach out to us? We'd love to know that you made a decision to follow Jesus or to come back home if you've been a prodigal away from the Lord. Reach out to us at walkintruth.com or call us during normal business hours at 844-48-TRUTH. We'd love to hear your story. If we can pray for you, you can also reach out to us at walkintruth.com and let us know what your prayer request might be. Tune in tomorrow for Pastor Michael's message in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 about what it means to boast in the Lord. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth. It's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people. 